You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm your host, Hayden Grove, on the road today on my way to visit my grandmother in Pennsylvania for a couple days. I'll be back on Thursday when the NBA draft starts. And we are joined, as always, by Chris Fedor, our Cavaliers beat reporter for Cleveland.com, who is getting us ready for the NBA draft. A couple of last-minute items before the draft on Thursday. Chris, Cavaliers have the number 14th overall pick. We've talked a lot about it. Where are you at two days before the draft? I've been wondering in the last couple of days, Hayden, if if everybody, including me, if we've all been overthinking this a little bit. Um, I was doing a draft profile this morning on Oche Abaji, and I just kept going back to it saying, isn't this exactly what the Cavs need? Um, yeah. So, so I'm kind of in the same place that I was because I think there are like five to six guys that are more realistic than some of these other ones that we've talked about. You know, we've talked right. about the fact that it's about 10 guys that they have on their radar, that they're doing their due diligence and they're casting a wide net because they have to, right? They have to look at all of these guys to see if maybe there's somebody that jumps out at them that, uh, they wouldn't have thought about initially for number 14. And the Cavs always do it when it comes to casting a wide net. Um, but but at this point, Hayden, I think there are five or six guys that are more realistic than than some of the other ones that we've kicked around. And I believe that those names are Abaji, like I said, um, Usman Jang, somebody that we've talked about here on this podcast, um, Tari Eason, Malachi Branham, Jeremy Sohan, if he's available, Jalen Williams, the kid from Santa Clara who was in town for a workout yesterday. Um, those are the players that, that I keep coming back to. Um, and we said at the very beginning of this offseason, Hayden, that they need playmakers, two-way wings, and shooting. Well, Abaji is a two-way wing shooter. <laughs> right. Oh, so, like. I guess I don't know. I don't know that there's a better fit at number 14 than Abaji, if we're being honest about it. Okay. I mean, we have, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, other picks, but I, we actually, we haven't talked that much about Abaji. I mean, a guy that won a national championship with Kansas, uh, you know, a, a very, like you said, a two-way wing that fits what the Cavaliers need. 
what what about him did we overlook? Just the fact that like he's old. I mean, what's the what is the uh, what is the thing that we're overlooking with him? Well, I think the thing that people wonder about him, Hayden, is that he's 22 years old. He's further along on the developmental curve. Four years in college, um, he tested the draft waters after his junior year. After his junior year, he was looked at as a second-round pick, maybe a late first-round pick. So how is it that that guy who did not perform very well at last year's combine and underwhelmed people at last year's combine and eventually went back to Kansas for his senior year, how is that guy now a lottery pick? You know what I mean? And I think the other thing is, you know, if the Cavs – if the Cavs are thinking – upside if they're thinking high ceiling that's not somebody that makes a whole lot of sense because who he is as a rookie is probably more than likely going to be who he is in year three in year four and in the past the Cavs have gone for the higher upside flyer types Darius Garland Isaac Okoro Evan Mobley even Kevin Porter Jr. um so to me, Abaji would be an interesting shift in draft strategy, but you know the Cavs are at a different position in this particular rebuild um, than they were when they drafted Isaac Okoro and Darius Garland for their upside. So so maybe like maybe I throughout the course of this process um, was caught up in upside, thinking okay let's. Let's see if the Cavs are going to swing for the fences here. Let's see if they're going to try and take somebody at 14 because they shouldn't have had this pick to begin with. It was supposed to go to the Indiana Pacers, and they're playing with house money. Um, And it would make more sense, from my perspective, for them to try and take that home run swing rather than hit a single. But maybe they say, hey, we need somebody who can play in our rotation because we're pushing for a playoff spot. We need somebody who we know can shoot. We need, we need somebody who um, is a little bit safer. Um, so we're going to go that particular direction. I think those are the things with Abaji that, that you kind of run into that say that may give you a little bit of pause in the lottery specifically. Yeah, with, it makes sense. And I, we have talked a lot about it, you know, a lot about the upside thing and, and, I think you're right. I think I can, I can honestly see it going both ways, and maybe that's why they do cast such a wide net. I could see them, you know, getting a guy that fits right away, can play right away, can help them right away. But also, I could see them taking a swing and, and a, you know, on a guy that's younger and maybe a little less experienced, and but with higher upside. I mean, I think that either way, um, I, I, I could see it both happening, and I think a lot will be determined by what happens in front of them, which is why I want to bring up the uh, mock draft that you did the other day. Um, It is a subscriber exclusive, so be sure to subscribe to us at Cleveland.com and also be sure to subscribe to uh, Chris's subtext, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. All you got to do is go to Cleveland.com slash Cavs, click the top of the page, the blue banner, and uh, enter your information. You'll be ready to go. But um, I want to talk about this mock draft a little bit because that's really what mock drafts are all about. It's about or what what all drafts are about is about what happens in front of you. You know, sometimes things are very unexpected and they just can, you know, change the whole trajectory of the draft. So you did a mock draft and I don't know if I want to give anything away per se, but like, oh, you can. You know, it's fine. You can give it all away. You you get. OK, <laughs> so you gave you kind of gave a couple um, 
basically you, you have uh, Jabari Smith going from Auburn, going to the Magic. Chad Holmgren goes to Oklahoma City. Paulo Banchero goes to the Rockets. Jaden Ivey goes to the Kings. Uh, Keegan Murray goes to the Pistons. And then Benedict Mathurin goes to, uh, goes to the Pacers. Dyson Daniels, who we talked about for the Cavaliers, goes to Portland at number seven. Uh, Shaden Sharp, a guard from Kentucky, goes to New Orleans. Jeremy Sochan goes to the San Antonio Spurs at number nine. Johnny Davis goes to the Washington Wizards at number 10. A.J. Griffin goes to the New York Knicks at 11. And then we're talking about, you know, a situation in which the Cavaliers are two picks away. A lot of their players that we've mentioned are on the board. Uh, Usman yep. Jang goes to the Thunder. Uh, and then at 13, you got Oche, Ocha Ajabi going to the uh, Charlotte Hornets. So, Abaji. Abaji. You don't pronounce the G. Abaji. Um, <laughs> do you have... Have them going. You have them going to the Hornets at number thirteen, which would make which would make for a very interesting situation for the Cavaliers because we've talked about yeah. Jang, we've talked about Abaji, um, and now the Cavaliers are at fourteen, and a couple of those guys that you know you mentioned are now off the table. Yeah, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave number fourteen. But we'll say that's the situation. Like that's what I mean with the NBA draft. Like both all, those guys could very well be in play for the Cavaliers. But also, I mean, if, if other teams like them, then they're going to be gone. Yeah. It's interesting because Abaji is not for everybody in the lottery. We've talked about that. If you're a team that is early in the stages of the rebuild, he probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Oklahoma City doesn't make a lot of sense there. I have no idea what the Washington Wizards are doing. I don't know what direction they're going to go. Everything is tied to what happens with Bradley Beal. But they could enter a rebuild, Hayden. So he doesn't make a lot of sense there. Um, but Charlotte is an interesting team because, like the Cavs, they are play-in tournament slash playoff contention. Um, they're a team that has a mix of young guys and veterans. So I think they could potentially look at Abaji there at number 13. Um, but beyond that, you know, the Cavs are the only other team that I can think of really in the lottery. New Orleans makes sense, but they also have a top 10 pick um, that could really justify the Abaji pick. Because the truth is, like, if you're going to take these safer guys, these guys who are 22 years old, more mature physically and mentally, more ready to step in right away, they have to hit quicker. The Cavs did it with Dylan Windler. They thought Dylan was a safe prospect. They thought Dylan's shooting would translate. And they took Dylan over Jordan Poole, and they took him over Keldon Johnson of the San Antonio Spurs. And Dylan hasn't hit yet. And the chances of Dylan hitting, because of where he was already coming into the NBA, are really, really low at this point. So, so Baji's got to hit quicker. And a team like Charlotte, I think, makes sense for him in front of the Cavs, and that's why I pegged him there. And if that scenario comes up, like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to figure out what the Cavs would do because you could justify the Branham pick, and we've talked about Malachi Branham, and you could justify the Tari Eason pick, and we've talked about Tari Eason, and you could justify the Jalen Williams from Santa Clara pick, and we've talked about him as well. But it's like one of the problems with the Cavs, I feel, is that when J.B. Bickerstaff goes into his rotation, there is this either-or proposition. Either I'm going to go with the offense of uh, somebody or I'm going to go with the defense of somebody. 
Like, I'm not getting the offense from Isaac Okoro, but I'm getting the defense from Isaac Okoro. I'm not getting the defense from Karis LeVert or Colin Sexton, but I'm getting the offense from Karis LeVert or Colin Sexton. Um, And that's the same situation, Hayden, when it comes to Malachi Branham, for example. Yeah, you like his offense, you like his shooting, you like his playmaking ability, but defensively he's a wreck. Okay, Tari Eason, you like the defensive upside that he has. You like the steals, the blocks, the rebounds, the rebounded run, uh, the versatility to guard multiple positions. He played small ball five at LSU. He's probably going to be a three or four in the NBA. But does what he does offensively, does that translate to success in the NBA? Because he was somebody who bullied guys. He put his head down and he worked his way to the free throw line and he did a lot of his work around the rim and all that kind of stuff. So there's the either or proposition with Tari Eason, you know, maybe Jalen Williams in the scenario that I laid out in my mock draft is the one that checks the most boxes offensively and defensively. He's got the size. He's six foot six. He's got a seven, two wingspan. He can shoot it from outside. He shot 39% from range. He's got a a guard's background because he was a guard in high school, and then he shot up and he grew about four inches in college. So he's a guard um, in terms of mentality, in terms of style, in terms of game, who is now in a wing's body because of that late growth spurt that he hit. So maybe Jalen Williams is the right answer there at number 14. Uh, Marjan Beauchamp, he doesn't really have the offense. You can't really call plays for him and things like that, but he brings you some defense. So, um, I think one of the complicated things about pegging 14 is that for many of those guys that we talk about, it's the same either or proposition for the Cavs. And the question is of the current flaws from some of these guys, which ones are you most comfortable with in a way it's kind of like, okay, they're all grouped together in terms of talent. They're probably all in the same tier. So what is it that you value the most and which guy brings those things that you value the most? So like you said, uh, there are, there are options for the Cavs 14 in your mock draft. Uh, even a guy like Dalen Terry is there. Uh, yeah. You mentioned pretty much everybody else. Um, Tari Eason, Jalen Williams, as you mentioned, but with Cleveland's pick, you go with Malachi Branham, who is on the board at number 14 from Ohio state. So what is it about Branham that kind of that you feel like the Cavaliers would make that pick over a guy like Easton, over a guy like Dalen Terry, over a guy like Jalen Williams? Like, what is it about him, you know, with, with, with Ojabi and, um, and Abaji. Abaji, sorry, I always mess up his name. Abaji, that's going to get some taking used to if the Cavaliers take him anyway. Abaji, um, what if, yeah. if he's gone and the Cavaliers take Malachi Branham, what is it about Branham that, um, that you feel is the, the right fit for the Cleveland Cavaliers? I just think he brings traits that they don't currently have on the roster, that they need on the roster, and he's different enough because of his potential as an outside shooter than um, some of the guys that they already have that, that would stand in his way for minutes at that spot. And there's also a lot of upside attached to him as well. And one of the things that we talked about, Hayden, unless they go with Abaji, who is a plug-and-play type, 
Um, and I think Jalen Williams, too. He's a plug-and-play type. He's further along on that developmental curve as well. So unless they go with a Williams or a Baji, um, these aren't guys who are really going to have a significant role in the every-night rotation immediately. So there's going to be time for them to develop. There's going to be time for them to work on some of the weaknesses that they have um, and, and not do it under the guise of pressure. Um, Isaac Okoro was the fifth pick. There was a lot of pressure on him. Evan Mobley was the third pick. There was a lot of pressure on him. Um, Darius was a different kind of situation because he only played four full college games. I think everybody understood that. But there is more pressure on a top five pick than there is with the last pick in the lottery. Um, so there would be some freedom um, out of the spotlight for somebody like Branham to work on his weaknesses and Tari Eason maybe to do the same thing. Um, although Tari Eason is a little bit older as well. So that's the thing that stands out to me about Branham. There's enough upside there that there might be a little bit of star potential or more star potential than there is with Abashi. And there's enough shooting and playmaking and enough differences within the way that he's effective than there is um, with Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, and even um, Karis LeVert. So that's why I went with him at number 14. But, but I honestly didn't feel all that great about it. The other reason why I went with him at number 14 is because I know that he is a guy that has fans in the Cavs front office. I know that he's a guy that many people in the organization do like. And I do believe that there is a, a list of five to six that are considered more realistic than others at number 14. And I do believe that he is on that list. Well, PR wise, I think the Cavaliers <laughs> would love that pick. You know, <laughs> very, very familiar with Northeast Ohio with the Ohio region. So, um, I think Cavs fans would certainly love that, but I, uh, I certainly understand, you know, that their job is not to appease the fans in that way. It's their job to, uh, <laughs> their job to pick the right player. So Malachi Brandon, if he is the pick, I mean, like you said, time to develop. What if, again, what if there is another pick there though? What if there is, you know, what if Abaji is there. What if Abaji is there? What if, um, you know, Jalen Williams is there? What if there's somebody else there? I mean, do you think that Brandon would be the pick over a guy like Abaji or, you know, one of the other guys that you mentioned? I can't say for certain because recent intel that I've gotten has really pointed a lot towards Abaji. But it's also, you know, the week of the NBA draft and a lot of this stuff is just BS. The thing that I do believe, um, based on people that I talk to inside and outside the organization, is that Branham and Abaji are on the same tier. And if, if that's the case, where it's Abaji and Branham, the Cavs are going to have to figure out a way uh, to separate those guys who are all in that same tier. I don't think that they've done that yet. I think that's probably going to happen. It has to happen in the next couple of days. I think it's probably going to happen mostly tomorrow when they regather and they go through this draft board and they have these conversations and people bang the table for their guy and explain why somebody should be higher than the other. But as of now, I believe that Abaji and Branham are on the same tier. And I just think it's about 
at the end of the day, the Cavs are going to have to figure out what they value more with with what each guy brings to the table. So do you think it's a situation where those guys are like 1A and 1B on their board? I have no idea, to be honest with you. Um, I, I don't know who's A and who's B in that conversation. I really don't. Right. Um, I, I think you could ask two people in the front office and they would tell you Branham. And I think you could ask two more people in the front office and they would tell you Abaji. And I think you could ask multiple scouts around the NBA and they would tell you Branham. And then you could ask other scouts around the NBA and they would tell you Abaji. Because again, when you have guys that are on the same tier, it's about finding the things that you value the most within that tier. Um, right. And I think we're going to learn a lot based on this pick. If it's a Baji over Branham, I think we're going to learn a lot about the direction that the Cavs feel like they're going and how close they are to contention. Right. I certainly understand that. I mean, I feel like if it's Abaji, you're right. They're plugging and playing. But also, I don't think that if they pick Branham, though, that they're necessarily saying that they can't contend. I think they're saying, like, you know, hey, this guy we think could be a star, you know? And there's you can't have enough stars in the NBA, I don't think. Well, maybe maybe, maybe superstars, but not enough for really good players. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and We've I seen... think the other thing that it could – I think the other thing that it could tell you is that the Cavs feel – relatively confident and comfortable about um, their every night rotation. And they don't feel like they need somebody at 14 that can give them big minutes um, as a rookie. Well, we will certainly talk about whoever the Cavaliers draft at length. Uh, We'll definitely break that. But again, like I want to make it clear. I want to make it clear in the podcast. It is not just between from everything that I have heard. It is just not between Abaji and Branham, right? Right. What if Ushman Dang? What if Ushman Jang is there? Okay. Right. Then I believe that he's on that same tier. Okay. What if Jalen Williams is there? Um, I don't think there's a chance that Johnny Davis falls to 14. I'd be surprised if Sohan falls to 14. But again, I believe that there are five to six guys that are more realistic than the other. It makes sense. It makes sense. And I, I, again, my point necessarily wasn't that those guys are definitely going to be the pick, but, um, but given your, I was just on your mock draft, it seemed like those two guys are right next to each other. So um, it makes sense. And I'm not saying that your mock draft is bad. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying it's your opinion. And uh, it's kind of, it's really, really tough to nail down. So um, I, I agree that there's probably, like I said, a list of five. And then the, the thing that I wanted to bring up was, the NBA draft more so than maybe any other draft is a draft in which I think there are picks that have been moved, there are moved, there are players that are moved. So the Cavaliers at 14, we've talked about the trade value of the pick. What what are the chances that Cleveland trades that pick on draft night? In terms of a move back or a move up? Or for a player or, some, or with, you know something else. Well, so I think there are a couple of things. Um, We've talked about this on the podcast. I've written about this. The 14th overall pick is not a centerpiece um, of of a big trade 
that's going to give the Cavs somebody that's going to significantly move the needle. They could get a player that's going to help them, but the question is how much would that player help them for the 14th pick? So I find it hard to believe that there is that, that player out there with experience um, that, that can be a significant contributor to the Cavs that they could get for the 14th pick. Um, maybe if they package the players' rights of 14 plus uh, Karis LeVert, or they package the players' rights of 14 plus uh, Isaac Okoro. Like, okay, now we're having a bit of a different conversation. Now the caliber of player that the Cavs could get back um, that could help them win now is different and better. But I don't know. I, I just don't see that guy out there that is obvious pass up on who they could get at number 14 for X player. Um, the Cavs like the draft. They like the players that they're going to be choosing from at number 14. They believe that there's going to be a good player available. Um, so, I just find it hard to believe that we're going to find somebody that makes sense as a trade target that, that would make them move that player's rights after selecting him at number 14. Um, a trade-up is really, really complicated, given the salary cap situation that the Cavs are in right now. Um, every draft pick has a specific salary slot allocation. Um, and the guy who, if let's say they wanted to move up to eight, with the New Orleans Pelicans or something like that, because New Orleans is a playoff team and they don't really need too many more young guys because they feel really good about their young core and their future. Um, so let's say that the Cavs call up uh, former Cavs GM, David Griffin and, and Trajan Langdon, who's also in that front office to say, Hey, we're interested in moving up to number eight for Dyson Daniels or Johnny Davis. Um, like the eighth pick, the projected salary for the eighth pick is different than the projected salary for the 14th pick, okay? So if, if they would have to pay that player more, that is going to have a direct impact on Karis, well, not Karis LeVert conversations, but Colin Sexton conversations, um, whether they're going to have access to the full mid-level exception, um, Ricky Rubio and the potential of bringing him back in free agency, whether they can go out and try and lure Tyus Jones away from the Memphis Grizzlies, how much they could potentially pay DeLon Wright, um, if they can keep Lamar Stevens or Dean Wade, or if they need that salary cap flexibility. So there are a lot of dominoes that would then fall after the Cavs trying to move up into the top 10. Um, and we've talked about this before on the podcast. As it stands right now with projections, Hayden, and, and these things can be different because they can move on from Dean Wade. They can move on from Lamar Stevens. They can create a little bit more flexibility. But as it stands right now, there is about a $21 million negotiating buffer with Colin Sexton that the Cavs have that also allows them to use the full mid-level exception and avoid the luxury tax, which is something that they want to do. If right. if fourteen if fourteen changes to eight, without the Cavs also dumping salary in that potential move up, like 
um, unless they include Jetty Osman's contract with the 14th pick or something along those lines. So if it's just a hypothetical 8-14 swap with other things mixed in that aren't a player with his salary dumping, um, then the, the, the buffer for negotiating with Colin Sexton changes. So that's something that has to be in consideration. Um, then the access to the full mid-level exception could also change. That has to be something that's in the conversation. I think a trade back is possible in part because the Cavs would like another future first-round pick because it's a trade asset that they could use. They could package a future first-round pick with Isaac Okoro and, and see what that gets them. Um so the more first-round picks you have into the future, the more trade capital you're going to have if you want to go out and make a help-now deal. And the other thing, Hayden, because there are so many guys within the same tier and because there are you know, five to six guys that I consider more realistic than others at number 14, um, you know, I think the Cavs could trade back a little bit and still get one of those players that they like that they view in that same tier. Could they trade back to the twenties and still get Bochamp? Could they trade back to the twenties and get Dalen Terry? Could they move back a few spots and get Jalen Williams or Tari Eason and add a future first round pick or add multiple second round picks or something along those lines. Um, it's something that I think they would explore and I think they should explore and they've done enough due diligence in terms of the guys that they've brought in town for workouts that if they move back between 20 and 25 or 20 and 28, hypothetically, um, it's not like they're not going to have the information that they need to feel comfortable about the guy that they're going to draft. Are you there? Are you there? Are you driving through the hills of Pennsylvania? I lost you for a second. I, I'm, I'm here. I, I think I am. Okay, so, yeah. I, I can hear you now. Okay, yeah. I'm driving, I am driving through the hills of Pennsylvania. I'm near the Pittsburgh area. Um, oh, good luck. What is the full, what is the full list of, uh, of players that have come in for, the, for, for workouts to this point? Way too many to name. Yeah. <laughs> Way too many to name, and not all of them in the number 14 range. Some of them were for 39. Some of them were for if they move back to the 20s or something along those lines. Way too many to name. Uh, Malachi Branham came in. Uh, he hurt his ankle, though, in, in a previous workout with the New York Knicks, so he wasn't able to be part of that workout with, you know, some of the other guys that were brought here. I'm told Abaji was in. Um, just way too many to name. Tari Eason was here, but way too many to name. So they've done their due diligence, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. And they always do. Yeah. The last thing I want to hit on is before, you know, everything. We, we The draft, I mean, again, it's kind of a, a crapshoot to see where we're at um, on, on uh, Thursday night. I mean, you know, like I said, there's things that could happen in front of them that would change things and things that could happen uh, during the draft. But... Colin Sexton, apparently um, ready for full basketball activities. I saw a video of him working out. He's looking, you know, pretty spry, looking at himself. 
What is the latest on Colin? I mean, any updates there outside of the uh, the ability to work out? No, not really. I mean, I get the sense in the conversations between Colin and his people and then the Cavs leading into free agency that, you know, there's still a gap between what, what Colin views as his market value and what the Cavs feel is his market value and, and the comfort level uh, where the Cavs are willing to go with, with a new contract for Colin. Um, it's the right. same gap that we've talked about, you know, for weeks, for months, for years at this point in time when it comes right. to Colin. The amount of conversations that we've had about him and, and what this contract is going to look like. Um, again, we'll, we'll, we'll see how right we are, but the Cavs, the Cavs do not believe that there is a team out there that is going to give Colin Sexton a contract that starts north of $20 million annually. Yeah. It's, it's just, it really is one of the more fascinating things. And I think once the draft, kind of, uh, the draft right now is the most important thing. Also, I wanted to mention that when we were talking on the, I think it was the last, was it the last podcast or maybe the podcast before about the coaches for the Cavaliers? I think we were talking about um, Luke Walton, right? So, Mm-hmm. After after we were talking about oh who would be the associate head coach and you were like oh well they don't really have one right now well that's changed <laughs> yep <laughs> they do they, they they do have an associate head coach and that would be Greg Buckner and you mentioned that he would be the guy so what I mean maybe they listened to their podcast and thought you know what <laughs> we need to make Greg, Greg the associate head coach <laughs> well I mean it makes a lot of sense it was. I think the first guy that JB hired when he became full-time head coach for the Cavs, um, Buck has been viewed as his right-hand man. Buck was the guy who took over when JB got booted out of the game. Um, Buck was the guy who um, is, is always there next to JB uh, right there on the bench. And the one who pulls him back from the referees when JB goes crazy on the refs. So it makes a lot of sense. I feel like he's earned it. Buck is, the guy who has been working a lot with Isaac Okoro on his shooting and Isaac's become a better shooter. So, you know, at some point when you have these kinds of guys um, within your coaching staff, you're going to have to give specific roles to try and keep them from looking to go elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like there's another team out there uh, that, that might've looked at Greg Buckner and said, Hey, we want you to be our associate head coach. Well, now that he is the Cavs associate head coach, that becomes a lateral move. It's a little bit different to try and pry him away, things like that. Right. Well, so so you're saying it had nothing to do with our podcast? Unfortunately, no. I don't Uh, believe that JB and Kobe and Mike Gansey and some of these other people are listening to it. Maybe I'll send them a link and and see what they think after listening to it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well... I don't want to hear the criticism of me because, like I said, I'm not the I'm, you are the basketball guy in this operation. So, just leave me out of it in that regard. <laughs> uh, I will we're going to do. That, go ahead. One of these times, Hayden, we're going to do a podcast just where we go through the pronunciations of all of these guys. Okay, good. So that good. you can I, get them right and not continue to butcher them. How about that? Yes, that, that's what we really need. I, I, that's exactly what we need, 100%. <laughs> Jeremy I'm, I'm ten- Sohan. Okay, now it's up to you. Use Jeremy Sohan in a sentence. Sohan. 
Jeremy Sohan will be drafted by. Yeah, there you go. Right. It's just blank. We, 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 we do need to do that because I read them and then I butcher them. So I, I and I'm not going to spend yeah. my time on basketball reference just like going through the pronunciation guide. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you're right. You're right. We will. We will do a podcast. Yeah, where I where I eventually get all these guys' name right. Evan Evan Mobley was so easy. I, that's that's one I really couldn't mess up. So that's all right. All right. In the meantime, Chris, we have a little bit here left to go. I just wanted to ask you: two days before the draft, your mock draft. Now we're on. Throw it in the trash. It's you have a clean slate. What are the Cavaliers doing at fourteen? Oh, good God. Well. I would need to know who is the – like, that's the thing. If we were talking about this last year, um, it was common knowledge, basically, that it was going to go Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, so we could really hone in on three and say, okay, it's going to be Cunningham Green. That means the Cavs are going blah, right? That means the Cavs are going uh, Evan Mobley. It's mm. – I have no idea what the Spurs are doing at nine. I have no idea what the Knicks are doing at 11. I have no idea what the Hornets are doing because they have 13 and 15. It is so hard to predict what they're going to do at 14 because there are 13 other picks that have to happen. And after four, basically, it's a complete crapshoot. Um. So here we go. At 14, <laughs> the Cavs will either take Abaji, Branham, Eason, Williams, Jang, uh, who else did I miss there? Oh, uh, Sohan, Sohan, if he's available. Like, that's or, or Dalen Terry in a wild card selection that nobody is expecting. That's that's right. where I'll go right now. That's fair. I'll give you that. That's tough. At fourteen, that's tough. But all right. So at least we got our handful. At least we know a little bit something to expect. And the Cavs don't trade the pick, or they do trade the pick in any way, shape, um, or form. Hmm. I think a okay. I think a trade back. Of the of the trade possibilities up for a win now player back, I think trade back is the most likely of those three scenarios. Yeah, I would say so too. I think it makes sense. I mean, it's good value. We've seen it in the NFL a lot. With you know, you trade back three or four spots, but you get a you know a nice pick in the future. I think that makes sense. And, and especially, look, I mean, in the situation that they're in, Hayden. The situation that they're in right now, um, their first-round pick next year could be conveyed to the Indiana Pacers. So having a future first-round pick that the Cavs have access to to potentially trade in a different kind of package this offseason or at the trade deadline or next offseason is beneficial. Right. Right. It makes sense. I, I could see going. I could see that definitely happening. Because you said the large pool of players, the potential for value when you trade back, you can still get a guy you want, add something to the future. I could totally see them trading back, you know, maybe 16, 18, 20, something like that. Um, yeah. All right. Well, 
Thursday is coming. We will uh, we will definitely have a podcast following Thursday. Um, the most important thing I wanted to ask you, and I forgot at the beginning. I probably should have asked at the beginning. But the most important thing, uh, Sunday was your first Father's Day. How was your uh, first yeah. Father's Day as a father? Oh, man, it was awesome. It couldn't have been better. Elliot was a great little boy. Him and I played a lot together. We snugged together. He took a nap on me. Um, Holly actually, for one of my Father's Day gifts, got Elliot. If, if people don't know this, I am maybe the biggest Tiger Woods fan in the world. You are the point up there. where You know how people wear Browns jerseys for Sunday games? They've got their they've got their game day apparel. Well, when Tiger Woods is playing a golf tournament and he's in contention, I wear a red shirt and black pants or black shirts uh, shorts so that I can match Tiger. And Holly actually got Elliot a little Tiger outfit, a red <laughs> onesie awesome. with black shorts. So the next time Tiger's in contention, if he's ever going to be in contention again, coming back yeah. from this injury, we we can match. We can watch Tiger together on the couch, and we can match in the same outfit. So I'm that is, super excited about that. That is beautiful, but you're right. I hope he can contend again soon. I mean, he played well with the he played well with the Masters, you know. But just, I mean, I, that's, that's that's a hard that's a hard injury to come back from. Yeah, he needs to. He he needs like two round and three round events because physically his body is just going to wear down as the event goes on, and so yeah. you know by round four, my man is going to be achy, out of gas, physically exhausted. Um, so it's going to be hard for him to contend for all four days. Maybe I'm just going to change that to the next time he suits up Play. in a golf tournament. <laughs> There you go. That's what I was gonna say. Forget the forget the contention. Just next time he suits up, let you and Ellie gotta gotta match. I'm sure he'll be yeah, up for something. Exactly. You mentioned it. I, I, don't, I didn't know exactly, I didn't know exactly what tournament, but he was they were saying that he's gearing up for something. Uh, he's gearing up for the British Open. Yeah, because the British Open is at St. Andrews this year, which is right. so one I'll of the most iconic courses in the world. Yep. 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 I've never played a course like that, but it certainly seems pretty uh, – it's definitely different than uh, than the American way. I will say that for sure. Yep. Well, I'm glad yep. you had a great – I'm glad you had a great Father's Day. I hope Elliot gets to wear that outfit soon. I hope it's either in contention or he's just playing in a tournament. I don't care which, but that's pretty <laughs> awesome. So – I'm glad you definitely enjoyed your Father's Day, and I wanted to wish you a happy Father's Day. And uh, um, I hope there, you know, I hope there are many, 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 many more. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Me too. Um, it was it was a day that I'd been waiting for for a long, long time. So it was even extra special. That's great. That's awesome. Well, I'm thrilled to hear that. Um, I definitely got to talk to my dad on Father's Day, and uh, I'm heading to see my grandfather now. Who uh, who's not not doing too great? So um, we'll see. But he's old, so he's lived a good yeah. life. Uh, Enjoy that time with him. I will. I will. All right. Anything else? Uh, nope. That's it. All right. Well, we will be ready on Thursday night. Draft is at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Cavaliers with the 14th overall pick. 
We got, like we said, a ton of opportunities for the Cavaliers. Could trade up, could trade back, could trade him for a player. Also could pick from an assortment of players. So plenty, plenty look to look out for. We will have it all broken down for you on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm sure we'll do it either the next day or a couple days after, whatever the case may be. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Chris, as always. And uh, be sure to t- check out the next Wine and Gold Talk podcast after the 2022 NBA Draft. Talk soon. Take care. Thank you very much.